2: Welcome to the RotoWire NFL DFS podcast. It is week eight of this football season already. Friday, October 26, 2018, just a little after 4.15 Eastern as we get started. Derek Van Riper here with John McKechnie. John in for Scott Genstead. I guess I'm, I'm kind of replacing Scott and then John's replacing me. So hopefully my role is upgraded and I'll just live up to the expectations you guys all have from Scott being the lead host of this pod each and every week. Uh, Real quick, uh, just a rundown of what's going on here in Week 8. On by, we have the Falcons, Cowboys, Chargers, and Titans. For main slate purposes, we lose the Eagles and Jags. They have a 9.30 a.m. Eastern kick in London on Sunday. Saints and Vikings are your Sunday night matchup, and Patriots-Bills are your Monday night matchup. So there are several teams. I mean, there's 10 teams off the main slate for one reason or another, and more than half of them are pretty loaded with players that we typically— like to build around. Uh, The high implied total of the week comes from the Rams. They're sitting at 33. KC is the only other team above 30. They're at 31.75, according to my current calculations. So right there, kind of with the Rams leading the way. A few other teams uh, in the high 20s, but one of them is the Patriots. So again, you lose them this week and things thin out a little bit. Lots of good matchups to break down. John, let's just get started with some of the big news of the week. Things that have impacted pricing because pricing came out before or as some of these things were happening Amari Cooper is gone the Raiders went through a lot of changes in the last week uh, since having the buy since playing in London against Seattle with Amari Cooper gone Jordy Nelson as a cash game play is something people are talking about because he's very affordable both on FanDuel and on DraftKings as you look at their group of pass catchers with Nelson Martavis Bryant, you know Jared Cook at tight ends flashed a couple of monster games this year. Do you see several players all picking up shares of Amari Cooper's role, or do you believe that there is an opportunity for a Nelson or a Bryant, or maybe both, to become much more viable week in and week out, both from a, you know a season long perspective, but more importantly from a daily perspective until their prices start to go up?
1: You know, it's one of those things where like coming into the season or, or after we kind of saw how. Uh, got got a taste of how this is going to go for Martavis Bryant in, in Oakland. I think one caveat you would have said coming in was like, well, it's going to take Amari Cooper leaving or going down with a season-long injury in order to him to, for him to be relevant again. And uh, I'm still kind. You know, I think that that rings true, but at the same time, I I still don't even think that even that kind of uh, momentous uh, occurrence is really going to shift uh, Bryant all the way up in my book. So I think for me, uh, this is a passing game that that's pretty ugly. I think that uh, Bryant, I think his best kind of characteristic is is as a downfield passer. And as far as I know, Derek Carr uh, attempts the least amount of passes, uh, fifteen yards from the line of scrimmage or further. So that this doesn't, you know. The the open targets don't necessarily equate to like more opportunities for Bryant. I think it's more of a, a short to intermediate uh, type of things for this offense. So I like Jared Cook the most. I think that he kind of benefits a lot from this in terms of the passing game. I think obviously Jordy Nelson gets an uptick as well. He's the only receiver that I'd really uh, consider now. But uh, Cook is sort of the one that I'm going with. And I'm even with the uptick, I still don't love Nelson right now either. Yeah, I think with Nelson, 4700 on DraftKings,
2: I I don't think it opens up enough elsewhere for me to, to feel compelled to do that. I think I'm, I'm paying up for more like $6,000 receivers this week and maybe going a little cheaper with some of the uh, running back options at flex, maybe paying down at tight end. So it just doesn't quite fit what I'm trying to do in cash games, even though other people out there want to do it. I and mean, we're talking about a, a pretty close game with a reasonably high over under total. Ah, uh, the Raiders and Colts are sitting at fifty and a half right now. Colts are favored by three, so they're going to come in close to twenty-seven points. Raiders coming in close to twenty-four. I mean, that that's a lot of production, and it has to go somewhere. You start thinking about the other changes. Marshawn Lynch goes on IR. They're suggesting that Doug Martin's going to handle the Marshawn Lynch functions. Doug Martin's had one of the weirdest careers as far as like NFL players in the right. last ten years. Like the highs have been incredibly high. The lows have been just
1: dreadfully low. It's like the life of a rock star or something.
2: Yeah, he's he's just all over the road. I'm not really optimistic about Martin as a a, a punt sort of play at running back. I don't think most people are. I haven't really heard anybody talk him up. I haven't really seen anybody write him up and, and say, yeah, go play him at forty four hundred on DK this week. Uh but Jalen Richard, I think, was already getting Some occasional interest, especially on DraftKings, where you get the full point per reception. He's only 4,200. I think he could end up being a guy that carries the ball a little more than expected and continues to maintain that passing game role, especially with Captain Checkdown and Derek Carr running this offense. I mean, I think Jalen Rashard might become like this year's Chris Thompson. And if you can get a Chris Thompson-type skill set for just over 4K, you want to do that, especially in a pretty close game at least as far as the Vegas totals go with this matchup against the Colts.
1: Yeah, and and you know, like you said, with, with the PPR wrinkle uh, baked in here, Richard, certainly the better pass catcher between him uh, and Martin. But you know, I think you make some good points about the you know Vegas Vegas is it's hard to knock against them, and and they are implying you know over twenty point well over twenty points for this Raiders offense. So it, it is a question of where does it come from. You got to figure some of it uh, is via the ground game. I, I still probably prefer Doug Martin at least right now I think m- maybe this is a game where Richard shows flashes and then he kind of takes off next week but I think he's heading into this game you know that Oakland has had a couple weeks to get ready for this one uh after after being on bye. so I I think that Martin would be the the running back that I go with this week if I'm if I'm picking out of Oakland but overall I'm just I'm just a little bit queasy about using much of this offense outside of Jared Cook.
2: Yeah, there's definitely like a flu bug going around the greater Madison area, and I don't think your queasiness is the result of that bug. I think it's really just looking at this offense and still not feeling good about it. So uh, for me, I'm on Richard. you'd be on Martin, but it sounds like you're not really actually playing him in DFS because there's other things you can do. I mean, 6000 on FanDuel for Martin isn't really all that appealing. There's other backs that are within range of that price that have... I think, much higher ceilings in terms of the offense they play in, but also uh, just in terms of their expected role. I mean, if if Martin's not really going to catch many passes, that makes him very game script dependent too. Oakland is one of those teams. They just don't look very good, and they're certainly stripping things down from a like a rebuild sort of standpoint with some of the moves they've made over these last couple of months. Let's talk about some other key storylines here for week eight with the running back pricing. And the the backs that are actually on the main slate this week, being structured the way it is, with Todd Gurley getting priced up again, which is deserved because he's been awesome. He's ninety eight hundred this week on DraftKings. He did get up to ten k in week six against Denver, but he's still up very very high. And then over on FanDuel, Todd Gurley is eleven thousand flat. Like he's yeah. he's like an ace pitcher right now, the way yeah. he's being priced. <laughs> And some of the indicators still point to him being underpriced even at that level based on efficiency, usage, the overall quality of the Rams offense. But my question for you is while Gurley was an easy jam him in sort of player the last couple of weeks with thinner options in the 7 to 8K range at running back, do you think that holds true again this week or do you say, you know what, there's almost a $3,000 difference on FanDuel between Gurley and Kareem Hunt price-wise? I think I'm going to go ahead and take the savings, lock in Hunt, maybe James Conner at 8K flat as, as cash game running backs and then use the savings on Gurley in cash games to get a little more stability elsewhere in my lineup.
1: Yeah, I definitely liked uh, what I was able to do with with the lineup with Gurley on DraftKings a little bit better than what I could throw together on FanDuel. I think that FanDuel, that 11000 is sort of like the the breaking point almost, even though you could could certainly envision him hitting like the 33 points that that you would want out of that uh, from that price point uh, going against Green Bay. But yeah, when you bring up who else is on the board right now, Kareem Hunt going against the Denver defense that just isn't all that isn't all that good across the board, especially uh, against the run is where they really tend to struggle. Um, so I, I, you could definitely foresee uh, Hunt being heavily involved in that one and, and ripping off you know one of his more uh, explosive performances of the season. And then you also uh, tack on the fact that he's a great pass catcher uh, going against the, their linebackers or, or their safety, whoever they uh, opt to cover him with. So for FanDuel, uh, I think Hunt would be would be the guy that I'm trying to build around as far as my running backs go. Uh but on, on DraftKings you can still build a really, really nice lineup with Gurley um and have some money left over too. You just gotta pick your pick your spots right uh in other ways. But um yeah, overall a little bit too much for me on FanDuel. It's uh it's interesting to me that
2: I think on on DraftKings Hunt's really cheap. He's seventy one hundred. I think the ownership right there is gonna be crazy high. You might even have Gurley and Hunt in lineups together. I do. Because you can you know get them for 16900 and that leaves you plenty to find uh, to find everything else you need uh, over the course of this uh, this particular you know, set of players. So, I do like the way it lines up. I think in tournaments, Gurley comes in a little lower owned than he has the last couple of weeks as well, but you don't necessarily have to lock him in in cash. If you don't end up with the receivers and tight ends that you like, having him in there, you can go down to some of those cheaper options in the $7,000 range. Connor, Mixon, Hunt, 75, 73, and 7,100 on DraftKings, all very much in play. Uh, We'll talk about Saquon Barkley a little bit as we kind of go game by game here in just a few minutes. Uh, He's kind of sandwiched in the middle there at 8,800. The other kind of broad question I had as I was looking at the prices this week is Patrick Mahomes... Kind of like the girly effect at running back. Is he still somewhat underpriced? I and mean, he's seven thousand flat on DraftKings, which makes him the most expensive quarterback by a decent margin. He's ninety two hundred on FanDuel, which puts him at the top of that list as well. But you get the sense that like what he's doing week to week is actually sustainable or very close to it. Are you paying the Mahomes tax anywhere, or are you just more inclined to pay the tax on other positions and and just pay down at quarterback because you still think the gap? Is, uh, is discounted enough where you want to go ahead and, and save up there to have that extra money for running backs and high- end receivers?
1: You know, I, I just don't find that like the gap is, is that significant to where like you have to avoid Mahomes. And I don't think the pricing you know in terms of the percentage of your salary cap in, in and of itself is really enough to where it's like, oh I, I can't afford Mahomes this week. Um, I think what he's doing, on a week-to-week basis is, you know, absolutely absurd. I'm not reinventing the wheel by saying that. But, you know, I I think we're past the point now where where people are are – uh the the people that are had been waiting for that drop off uh they're, they're skeletons now that, that that's just not really a thing that's going to be happening and he's draws a home matchup against a, a bad Denver team i know denver's rested and coming off you know an impressive looking win but it was against like a jv arizona cardinals team uh so i i would imagine that, that mahomes is able to carve it up uh this week you only maybe worry about some of the touchdown production uh, being lost via the ground game via Kareem Hunt. Um, so I'm not necessarily going all in on Mahomes this week. I will have a lineup or two uh, with him, uh, but there are other nice options underneath him for, for not that much, but I, I don't think that like the difference is so big to where like you have to avoid Mahomes. Yeah, I think as I, I started to look at, at
2: cash game staples, though, Mahomes, because he was priced up, didn't quite fit those lineups. You're able to... Build pretty effectively around Jared Goff and Jameis Winston. I mean, Winston's priced down a lot more by comparison on FanDuel, seventy eight hundred, whereas Goff's eighty five hundred over there. They're both six K flat on DraftKings. You're saving a thousand bucks off Mahomes' price. And I think because of my interest in Kareem Hunt at that price, that's also kind of steering me away from the Chiefs' passing game a little bit as well. I don't want to go with too much exposure going quarterback and running back in that situation for my cash game builds. Sure. So I think that's kind of what steered me away from Mahomes as far as my cash game staples go. I think it's kind of Goff versus Winston in most contexts. Maybe Matthew Stafford enters the conversation on FanDuel as well. I think he's 7,300 on FanDuel this week, which even for a, a Lions passing game that isn't as volume-centric as it has been in years past, I think it's still it provides enough for Stafford to return enough value for cash games because the weapons around him are really good i mean having golden tate kenny galladay and marvin jones all healthy right now having a running game he can lean on having carry johnson catching passes out of the backfield and possibly getting theo riddick back it's a full complement of weapons at his disposal so while stafford's a little more td dependent a little less of volume safe than he was previously mm-hmm. he's priced down enough where i think you can go ahead and plug him in and cash even though his ceiling is is only going to be really high in potential shootouts. I don't think the matchup against Seattle is going to unfold as a shootout this week.
1: Yeah, what's interesting to me is that, you know, despite Seattle's, you know, general loss of you know, almost everything that, that we remember from the Legion of boom, it's like all gone. Now, uh, they still rank third against the pass and football outsiders DVOA, So it it might be a bit of a no name unit, but it's still one that's been effective, uh, to this point in the season. Obviously you like Stafford at home and the the price tag, you know, when he's right in that same neighborhood as a CJ Bethard and, and a little bit cheaper than Joe Flacco on the road or, or against, or a a Mitchell Trubisky. Um, yeah, he he seems to just kind of scream out it as a value play. And like you said, uh, He's not chucking it 50 times a game anymore, but still, those weapons are really, really solid, um, so he should be able to, to hit value at 7300 but I guess the, the direction that I'm going in uh, from that price range, a little bit higher, uh, right on the same line as, as Jameis Winston, is the other side of the Jameis game. Uh, I really like Andy Dalton this week. I, I, I look for a bounce back from him. I know he kind of crapped the bed on, on Sunday night TV and everybody saw it and laughed, um, but uh, I think this week against the Tampa Bay team uh, that I believe ranks dead last against the pass in terms of DVOA, I think this is a huge bounce back opportunity for him. And I think he had been solid enough uh, this season before Heading into that game against the Chiefs, to where like you can trust him a little bit, even if how weird that is to say regarding Andy Dalton. Yeah, he, he's playing at a level most weeks where I think you do tend to
2: trust him because the price hasn't become ridiculous. Um, I, I think if I'm looking on, on DraftKings, it's, it's Goff and Winston still ahead of him, but Andy Dalton is definitely playable. As a cash game option this week, I think you can. If you got to pay up for AJ Green, you know you're going to be fine in in most scenarios with that. I just wonder if AJ Green for tournaments ends up being a bit low owned, especially on Fanduel where he's commanding like 8,800 this week. Uh, it's tied with Antonio Brown as the most expensive receiver on the board over there. Uh, let's take a look at one more aspect of the cash game lineup: the receivers. Odell Beckham's 7500 on DraftKings. He's priced like he normally is on FanDuel, so you're not getting away with anything there. He's 8500 on that site. But in a non-Jags matchup, this is the lowest price on Odell Beckham in years. It's something that Adam Leviton was tweeting out earlier this week, and it absolutely makes sense in, in cash games this week. I think you can lock in Beckham because of your running back savings, and you can come away with a pretty nice result going up against a Washington team that's very stout against the run, but I think can be a little more vulnerable in the passing game even with Eli Manning, because Odell Beckham is simply that
1: good. Josh Norman is going to get him. You think he's going to get in his head? I, th- I mean, everybody gets in Odell's head. It's it's obviously not, not a very difficult thing to do at this point, it seems to be. But um, I think that Washington's defense, and we'll get into this later, I think it, Washington's defense is one that I really like this week. Um, I think that this Giants passing game, as long as it has the offensive line that it does, so obviously that's not changing anytime soon, and as long as the husk of Eli Manning is back there, This is a bad passing game, like outside of Saquon Barkley catching all the checkdowns, which he does. uh, So that makes him awesome for DraftKings. I wouldn't shy away from him at all in in any sort of PPR format or or really in general. Um, I think Beckham just gets hurt the most by the, you know, lack of effectiveness from this offense as a whole. So even even with the discounted price tag, I'm not going there.
2: Interesting. Well, I think in GPPs, he's going to be pretty highly owned. So you got to be a little careful with him in tournaments. But I think he's cash game viable at that price. What you may end up doing though, instead of leaning on Beckham, is saving some money, going with one of the two Rams top receivers, both Brandon Cooks and Robert Woods, sixty nine and sixty eight hundred over on DraftKings. Uh, you look over at FanDuel; they're not really overpriced or anything there. When you consider that Cooper Cup's going to be probably out again this week with that MCL injury, seventy six hundred on Woods, seventy five hundred on Cooks, they seem like very stable cash game commodities this week. Do you have a preference between the two since the cost difference is almost negligible?
1: Right. And and I think there's really no wrong answer here because if you look at uh the the target shares last week when uh cup was out, I mean it it pretty pretty much unless it was going to Gurley, it was reliably going to either uh Cooks or Woods, but Woods had the slight edge on him. He had a twenty nine percent uh target share as opposed to Cooks's uh twenty one. So I think Cooks is a better touchdown option, so that probably makes him a little bit better uh, on FanDuel. But uh, for DraftKings, uh, Wood's probably going to have a higher reception count. Um, so I think you have to factor that in on that side. Last uh, couple thoughts that are kind of broad here
2: from a, a cash game perspective. I think as I look at tight end, it's still an area where you can save pretty easily. The price on David Njoku is still low to the point where that move and OJ Howard, the two cash game tight ends I've been kind of pushing out there the most because I don't think The way they're used is all that different than the way some of the more expensive high-end guys tend to be used. We keep losing quality tight ends on the main slate week in and week out. We get Kelsey back this week. We don't have Zach Ertz out there. Uh, Until the price ticks up on Njoku and OJ Howard those are going to be my first two reads most weeks because they've had such huge roles in their respective offenses.
1: Yeah, I think that that definitely makes sense. I mean, and Njoku is a burgeoning talent. I mean, it's only a matter of time until he kind of establishes himself as a, you know, upper echelon tight end, maybe in that top five discussion. If we're talking this time next year, um, and then OJ Howard, obviously he's got a really soft matchup going against, uh, those Cincinnati safeties that haven't been playing, uh, all that well, uh, this season. I think they've been rather gettable, Um, against tight ends another one that I, that I would like to toss out there for consideration uh, and we haven't really seen him see him like uh, fall flat on his face yet but Eric Ebron uh, this week going against Oakland, Oakland, one of the worst teams against tight ends this year. They, they ranked dead last in terms of DVOA against opposing tight ends. And it seems like, you know, I know, I know that Hilton is going to be back and that that changes uh, the target shares around a little bit. Um, but I still think that Ebron is someone that, that might be worth considering. Uh, you don't really get a, an awesome like, price break on him on FanDuel, but I mean, may, maybe it's still something that, that's worth looking at. Yeah, I'm a little hesitant with Ebron, at least in cash games this
2: week, Fair because enough. of Doyle not having an injury designation. So it looks like Doyle's coming back from that hip injury. You know, healthy T.Y. Hilton also pulls some targets away. But, you know, you think about Ebron and Doyle. They could easily coexist. They could run a lot of two tight end sets, use Hilton as the guy on the outside, and kind of scale back the Ryan Grants and the Chester Rogers yeah, because the tight don't ends really are, add a lot. No, the tight ends are, are both good players. So mm-hmm. I, I think that's that's a path. I just think... I want to be a little more careful with Ebron from a cash perspective with Doyle coming back. I want to see how he's brought back in, even though this matchup is a very good one for the Colts. Uh, looking kind of game by game and kind of weaving in some tournament pivots along the way. Uh, let's start with the Washington Giants matchup. We talked about it before with Beckham. Washington's defense, you know, is one you kind of feel good about. My attitude towards defense is one similar to what I've heard uh, Jordan Cooper express on a lot of his Periscope streams is just that I'm taking what's left at defense. I'm not making defense a priority as far as which one I'm building a DFS lineup around. It's the last thing that I'm going to do. Sure. And I'm just going to settle for whatever price range I can afford the best from that bunch. That being said, uh, Washington's a defense you like quite a bit. And I think the the appeal of something like that is going to be that more often than not, I think the general play people are going to roll out there this week is to just chuck the Steelers out there at a discount. So you're probably getting them low owned too. So if you want to do something a little bit different in tournament with your defense and the numbers work out with your cap, Washington's defense going up against the Giants is the is the, your plan your defensive play that you prefer.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that that I mean that that front seven, especially the the uh, the down linemen, are just. Uh, they 're really talented they 're really coming to into their own a uh, bunch of Alabama guys that you know are have had basically no drop off to what they were doing in college. The adjustment has been very very or the transition has been very smooth for them and uh, you know Ryan Kerrigan again is one of those guys that uh, doesn 't really get the national pub, but I mean that guy 's an absolute nightmare, so I imagine him and Eli are going to be seeing plenty of he, of each other uh, in that giant 's backfield so I'm really, you know, I'm I, I get the philosophy and and generally, you know, defense isn't something you prioritize when you when you're stacking up your lineup. You just kind of, like you said, uh, take what's take what's there at the price that you can afford. Um, but I don't think that the Redskins are so expensive. I know that they're like, a, you know, the, the fifth or sixth one down on DraftKings, but. That's still enough for me. I mean, it, certainly when you consider like you would, you pay forty one hundred for the Bears. Like absolutely not. You can get twenty seven hundred on the Redskins against a completely anemic Giants uh, offense. That I would totally go for that. Uh, what is your rationale there on the uh, on the Steelers though? Because I think the Browns offense is a little bit, uh, you know, they're a scrappy bunch, and I think that they could they could definitely score some points on, on a Pittsburgh defense that isn't quite uh, what maybe it's res. Or, uh, its reputation would
2: suggest i think it comes down to sacks and turnovers like even if baker mayfield throws for 300 yards with a couple of touchdowns he might do it with a couple of picks he might get sacked four or five times along the way so i think your your points floor is probably close to a double digit sort of result okay and if one of those turnovers turns into you know an actual touchdown then you, know, you get a little more than that you get 16 18 20 points something along those lines 2300s to throw a price too it just it makes it so easy to keep Uh, getting all the other things you want and still have a defense that you feel pretty good about. Uh, As far as that Giants-Washington matchup, is there anybody you like on the Washington side? Because Snacks, Damon Harrison, gone from the Giants defense. Uh, They got another big injury up the middle as well. So the run defense might be completely gutted with just those two issues. And Adrian Peterson's very game script dependent. He disappears when when his team falls behind. But if you are a a pro-Washington defense kind of guy this week... You're probably not expecting them to fall behind. So, do you have some interest in Peterson as a high volume guy that's pretty affordable, especially on DraftKings?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think there there is uh, reason to be interested there. You know, like you said, uh, if they fall behind, then you know that then that lineup is probably as good as dead. But um, I don't really see that being the case this week. I think Washington can, can get out to a lead here and, and grind the clock a little bit, and that's where Peterson obviously is at his best, and obviously Washington likes to do that when they can, and this is an opportunity where they can. So I think that Peterson pushes for over 15 carries. Uh, how effective he is over those, I think he can be, because I don't really find that that Giants uh, defense is all that imposing, and I think, if I saw this correctly, I think Alec Ogletree uh, is going to be missing from the middle of that defense. Og- yeah, Ogletree was the key uh,
2: injury in the middle. Yeah.
1: So, I mean, that, that's a lot of guys, you know, when you mentioned Harrison obviously being traded earlier this week, this turns into a very, very vulnerable uh, front for the Giants. So maybe the Redskins can get some traction on the ground with with their offensive line and, and with, with Peterson kind of leading the charge there. So uh, definitely, you know, more tournament than cash consideration, but certainly worth consideration nonetheless.
2: Chris Thompson with that rib injury actually uh, questionable, even though he was practicing on Friday. So it looks like he could be out there in some capacity. Uh, no Jamison Crowder this week. So Paul Richardson with that shoulder injury, Maurice Harris, Josh Doxon, all going to be out there trying to uh, contribute in the passing game. There's not a whole lot that I like, though, out of that group, even though no. they're, they're underpriced. I don't really see much to do there. Uh, even Jordan Reed, he's kind of like a tournament-only player right now based on the weird way that he's been used in recent weeks by Alex Smith and Jay Gruden. Let's move on to the next game on the list. Let's take a look at the Seattle-Detroit matchup. Over-under there is 49, so it's only a three-point spread. You're looking at like a 26-23 game favoring Detroit. Carryon Johnson last week popped up in the pentathlon lineup of one Vlad Sedler. Uh, that's like a 12-player contest we run every week. I look at that like a cash game lineup. I mean, you're not really trying to go crazy and just trying to make up a lot of points uh, relative to how you've done for the season. I thought that was a pretty bold call only because like, we we weren't sure about how much carry on Johnson would absorb Theo Riddick's role in the passing game. And we weren't quite sure carry wise what he was going to get. But he got 19 carries, was targeted three times, so 21 total touches, had a monster day, 180 yards from scrimmage. The price is ticking up. He's up to fifty three hundred on DraftKings now. It's the highest price on Carryon Johnson of the season by about seven hundred dollars. Is he cash game worthy for you right now? Are you comfortable with how the Lions were using him last week as a blueprint of sorts of how they're going to use him in the weeks ahead?
1: Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if if you know he becomes a really you know heavy factor in this offense because you know they spent a relatively high draft pick on him. They, they sort of uh, shaped their draft and sort of the offseason to kind of reinvent the ground game that's been missing uh in detroit for so long and it seems like he's he is going to be the piece that works uh for that so i really like carry on johnson a fair bit this week i know he didn't uh reach the end zone uh last week but i mean he he's obviously could uh this coming week against a, a seahawks defense that is fine against the run nothing spectacular um I I guess I hadn't like overly considered carry on Johnson because I'm either going after like a, a Nick Chubb type. Um, we, we can get into that a little bit later, but I, I think that, that carry on Johnson is definitely a fine play and certainly one that that moving forward is going to be worth consideration.
2: Yeah, he's still a little fringy for cash games for me, but I think he's close enough where if you needed to pay down there, you could do it. I think I'd be more inclined to still lean on him as a tournament play. Uh, and because he's in the $5,000 range, it still seems like he's underpriced relative to his upside. The per carry numbers are excellent. I like that he's getting a little more involved as a pass catcher. The receivers I mentioned them a little earlier, you know, with Tate, Galladay and Marvin Jones all there. Tate's volume is down a little bit these last few weeks. Part of that was a game script problem in week five. The Packers went down pretty big in that game and the Lions didn't have to throw it a lot. So I think that was part of why he got scaled down four catches on six targets last week against miami are you looking at tate as a guy that's fallen out of cash game consideration because he's really only had three games that have have checked the boxes as far as making value He's had three kind of duds um at at his price as a guy that's always above 6k the price is down at 6k flat though which is the lowest of the season for him
1: yeah this is an interesting one and and, you know i think part of it depends on on, uh what happens on the other as like uh out of the slot uh, in Seattle, how they opt to, to cover him, but if Seattle's a little bit stronger on the outside, then you worry more about uh, Galladay and Marvin Jones. I mean, we saw last week uh, Galladay pretty much disappeared. I think it was the doings of Z- one Xavier Howard in Miami that really kind of uh, flustered uh, Galladay. So that, that and that opened up a twenty-seven percent target share for, for Golden Tate. So I, I could see a, a situation where uh, the the Lions want to target uh, the slot a little bit more, using Tate a little bit more here um, so I think I don't think that uh, it's time to jump ship on him being it being a safe like uh, cash consideration type play I think that this week a bit of a proven ground for him obviously and then next week coming up against Minnesota that's obviously a really tough game um, but I think this week it is one where he could do it yeah I, I think the pricing is is leveling
2: off with those Detroit receivers where you can start to pick your spots a little more carefully Galladay is still gonna be the popular tournament play he's only 5700 which makes Marvin Jones kind of the forgotten guy At 4,800. I don't have any lineups with him in. I don't have any lineups with Marvin Jones in him yet. I don't know if that'll change between now and kickoff on Sunday. Uh, With Seattle, you're getting a pretty steep discount on Doug Baldwin again. Before the buy, was pretty heavily involved in that matchup against the Raiders. Had eight targets, six catches for 91 yards. Price up at 5,500 on DraftKings. Still very low for his overall talent. If you believe that he's going to be pretty healthy coming off the bye week. Uh, what are you doing with Doug Baldwin this week, especially at that fifty five hundred price on d k
1: yeah I think you have to be encouraged not only that that they're coming off the buy but right before the buy that that he was you know obviously the the top uh target in that passing game so I think uh coming into this week, yeah he's sneakily you know if you if you are someone that that needs like that. That receiver down and down in that price range, um, sixty four hundred on on, uh, on FanDuel. So I mean, other guys you're looking at in that neighborhood, you know, Deshaun Jackson might like Deshaun Jackson a little bit more because of the upside going against uh, Cincinnati, but. Baldwin, I like more than, than a Sterling Shepard, a Sammy Watkins, a Devin Funches, and even a Demarius Thomas, who has a soft matchup. So I think that uh, the target volume is going to continue to, to trend in the right direction for Baldwin. I know that early in the season with the knee issue, um, it was tough for him and Tyler Lockett kind of uh, was able to take over there, but now it seems to be backsliding more to the norm, uh, more to what we've come to see out of Baldwin, so I do like him a little bit this week as well. The doofus that I am, I always keep looking at that price on Baldwin. Lockett's still
2: affordable. I keep looking at Russell Wilson for tournament purposes, and I keep wanting to stack that trio because if it is the week where they open things up, and Brian Schottenheimer's part of the problem for sure. Oh, yeah. I just think Wilson is going to concentrate so much on those two players production wise, where that is the kind of stack that you'd want to have. And I think relative to how they may have been targeted at the beginning of the season when we didn't know what Schottenheimer was going to look like exactly having Russell Wilson at his disposal. I think the interest in them is going to be fairly low. I mean, Russell Wilson probably rightfully so is 100 bucks cheaper than Winston and Goff. And I think people like Mitchell Trubisky and some of the Bears more than they like Russell Wilson in the Seattle offense right now. So as far as your big field GPPs go, yeah, maybe Baldwin comes up a little higher on than you'd like. But a Wilson Baldwin locket stack with one of those Lions receivers going back the other way. To me, that's that's totally possible. Like there, there's a little more shootout potential here than you might think. Most weeks, I'm not looking at Seattle as a team that could fall into a trap like that. But I think there's enough weapons in that Detroit offense where they can put a lot of points on the board and kind of force Seattle's hand a bit to be more aggressive. And I think their offense will start to level off a little more now that Baldwin seems to be healthy again.
1: Yeah, and I think if if this turns into a situation where I think we we can imagine, uh, you know, maybe David Moore's uh, target share get gets trimmed down a little bit in the interest of Lockett and Baldwin, then this becomes, you know, like we say, a a pretty narrow tree between Baldwin and Lockett, and then you know uh, the. Detroit defense is fine it's been playing better it's certainly not like the just the horror show that that we saw uh week 1 against the Jets when when Darnold was able to to carve them up but it's still not like a, an overly imposing uh unit not certainly not one that you're like avoiding on purpose and we're in the dome here so I do, like, I do think that, you know, like you said, a large field GPP type of consideration, uh, I don't think a ton of people are going to be on that. So that's definitely one way to separate yourself with some upside, too. Nick Vanette keeps coming up
2: on value reports on our site for just being a very inexpensive tight end who might see a handful of targets. If you were trying to punt at tight end from a, a tournament perspective, I think you'd want to do that with Chris Herndon and said accept the higher ownership rate because the The role, as we're going to talk about in that Jets game, could actually be pretty significant for Herndon again this week since they're missing uh, so many receivers. Uh, As far as Chris Carson goes and, and, and this group of Seattle runners, are you kind of just staying away from the field right now because you're not quite sure... A, how good the Lions' run defense will be in week one of having Damon Harrison, and B, how exactly Seattle intends to split up the touches across that group?
1: Yeah, that, that's a backfield that I, I've tried to stay away from for the most part. Interestingly enough, in, in that pentathlon, in, in the, uh, in the uh, season-long league aspect of that, uh, I recently traded Marvin Jones uh, for uh, Chris Carson, so it's a bit of an intersection of that trade in this game here. But uh, I don't love Carson this week for, for DFS purposes it, it's again a backfield that, that can be frustrating and I think that there are just two other guys uh, right above him in the price range especially on FanDuel that I would consider probably before Carson that have better matchups and probably safer roles as well Bucks Bengals next game on the slate you mentioned
2: earlier you like Andy Dalton Jameis Winston comes up as a great cash game play again Bengals are sitting at three and a half point favorites here over under 54 and a half so I believe as you look at the main slate that's going to be the second highest total on the board. Both teams should be moving the ball pretty effectively. The Bengals come in close to 30 points. 29 is their implied total. 25 and a half for the Bucks With uh, Dalton You know, laying the egg last week, I think he might be onto something that some of the interest could be down in him. Might make him GPP viable. Whereas Jameis, I think, is going to be really heavily owned in tournaments. And you yep. may want to go ahead and steer away from him outside of cash games. Tyler Boyd is by far the more affordable of the Bengals receivers. He was among the players who disappointed on Sunday night, pretty much everybody did in the Cincinnati offense. Do you see him bouncing back in a pretty big way against the Tampa Bay team that wasn't really tested as much as I thought they could have been by the Browns last week?
1: Yes, absolutely. I think that, you know, people will be uh, you know, a little bit salty about uh loading up on on uh, on Boyd last week and getting burned a little bit, you know, a uh, start that ended up not going so well. Um, Tampa Bay, I mean, their, their corners in general are, are bad. I think this is one of the worst pass defenses in the league. Um, I think we're, we're running into a situation where uh, it looks like Tampa Bay is uh, third worst against a number two uh, wide receiver and how they how they figure that out is a little bit nefarious to me, but I think it goes to show that uh, there there is some weakness in that Tampa Bay back end when it's not completely focused on, on the true number one receiver. Um, I think that AJ Green still has no problem producing in this one, but I do see a situation where Boyd uh, bounces back, and you know obviously you don't really have to worry about John Ross ever doing anything maybe ever again. So no, I'm kidding, well, he's but, hurt again, so yeah, I mean, uh, he's I, out. The, the, that was the most classic. Like it's just how can you sum up John Ross more perfectly than? Kevin Catching a long touchdown and getting hurt at the same time. Yeah, that was uh, just mm-hmm. wild,
2: but uh. very unfortunate. The Bucks have allowed the most fantasy points uh, to wide receivers this season, uh, behind every, but more than every team except for the Saints. Like they're giving a ton of production up to wide receivers as a whole. So. Both Green and Boyd should be perfectly fine here.
1: I think Uzama, if you need to, if you need to uh, punt it at tight end, is also fine. And I, I'm interested to see how this Tampa Bay run defense responds because if there was one sort of respectable element uh, to the Bucks on defense, uh, it was going against the run. Uh, but Levante David's injury, I think, could p- maybe change that up a little bit. I th- they were like a fringe top ten uh, run defense, but him being out, uh, I mean, that's a huge, huge loss for them. So maybe Mixon has a has a higher projection. For me than i initially would have expected
2: yeah i think mixon still lags behind hunt and james connor in the seven thousand dollar range among running backs but i think he's still playable in the spot with the shootout expectations uh really from, from both teams as far as the tampa bay pass catchers go i mentioned oj howard when talking about cash game tight ends if i were going to use Jameis as my cash game quarterback i might be content to just go ahead and throw oj howard with him and not even worry necessarily about having mike evans there's no reason not to use Mike Evans. I think you can play him pretty much every single week. The price is below 8k again on DraftKings. Uh, over on FanDuel, you're looking at a slightly, like a relatively speaking, a slightly higher price. He's 7800 there, but the the highest end players break down a little bit differently. So as you look at Evans, is he an essential piece to pair with Jameis Winston in cash games? Or are you comfortable going down to OJ Howard at the tight end spot?
1: Um, I, I would be comfortable with O.J. Howard, and, and, you know, it, it's weird because, I mean, the numbers say that, that you should be locking in Evans uh, with him. You know, he's, he's got a 23% uh, share of the targets in that Tampa Bay offense. That's obviously a very high number, and the, clearly uh, the number one option by almost 10% of the share there, but uh, Howard, not too, too far behind once you get into that second tier of Tampa Bay receivers. I know that Deshaun Jackson kind of disappeared uh, last week, but if he can, if he can bounce back a little bit, he's, he kind of is the one kind of default Tampa Bay, uh, receiver that I tend to get in my lineups more often than not, just because I I know what the, what the upside potential looks like. I know the downside, uh, is, is, you know, pretty rough. Um, but when, when it's good, it's really, really good. And I think going against a Cincinnati team, again, again, in a, uh, shootout type of context, uh, Jackson is probably the one that I'm thinking about, even though the prices are low, you know, Peyton
2: Barber, 3,600. I just I can't bring myself to do it, even on, Don't on DraftKings. do Jones, either.
1: Jones, he scored a touchdown, but...
2: <clears throat> his snap count went up last week. I just, I think they're still kind of in this messy sort of timeshare. It's just a, a pass-happy sort of offense right now. Uh, Chris Godwin is still tournament-relevant for me. 4,500 is the price on DraftKings. Really like him over there. Uh, it's more of like a one-off sort of play, maybe part of a stack. If you were going to not use Howard, you're going to go Jameis... Evans Godwin I think I'd rather do that than than go the uh, the the Jameis Evans Deshaun Jackson route we we saw this last year with Winston and Deshaun Jackson too it just seems like Jackson doesn't get the same types of targets from Jameis Winston that he gets from Ryan Fitzpatrick (sighs) Fitz you come back it's so weird (laughs) it's so weird that they don't use him more than they do but definitely lots to like really on both sides uh, of this matchup should be one of the highest scoring games of the week uh jets bears the bears are eight point favorites the jets are banged up all over they're missing several receivers it looks like robbie anderson and quincy and are out for this one so it's probably going to be jermaine curse popping up again as a a potential cheap volume option he let a lot of people down last week uh in mostly cash game sort of scenarios are you comfortable with curse in this spot at 4300 are you staying away from the jets passing game entirely uh, where do you see value? I mean, Isaiah Crowell is only 3,700. So if you think the Jets keep it a little closer than the line indicates, or if you think that Crowell, who actually caught a lot of passes the last two seasons in Cleveland, when you account for Duke Johnson also being there, if you think Crowell absorbs the role of Bilal Powell in the in the passing game in the short term instead of Trenton Cannon, I think Crowell under 4K is actually pretty
1: viable. Yeah, Crowell is interesting, and yeah, I don't necessarily think that that the Jets are going to give like all these running back targets to, to Trenton Cannon. I think that there's uh, you know some polish uh, left to be had on his game. So um, Crowell has proven to be really good when he's ge- when he's given the shot. So uh, I think that's an interesting call. It's one that I hadn't really considered yet because the Bears are pretty stout against the run in general. But um, this this is a Jets offense that is kind of tough to figure out. Uh, Powell, or, uh I'm sorry. Crowell 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 would be someone that I consider, and Christopher Herndon would be someone I consider as well. Um, I can't quite talk myself into Jermaine Kirsch, though. Kirsch, he's got some limitations. There's no doubt
2: about that. But Herndon, if you want to go with the ultra-cheap play this week at tight end, again, I think he's still more of a a tournament guy than a cash game guy. 2800 might be cheap enough to get away with him in cash, though, because if he ends up getting you 10 points for that, you're fine. It opened up enough money elsewhere. You're paying up for some upgrades. You're probably going to make up for a little lighter production at tight end with surpluses elsewhere. Uh, but it's just the lack of receivers that are healthy right now. I mean, they just don't have a lot to put on the field.
1: And it seems like he has a pretty good rapport with, with Darnold thus far.
2: Yeah, it, it, that's, a that's a, absolutely a good thing to see for uh, for Chris Herndon. Sam Darnold, by the way, is 4,500 on DraftKings. Is there a is there a millie maker lineup in you where you throw Darnold out there with Herndon and then just load up
1: on high priced chalk everywhere else? Well, I'm going out tomorrow night, so if I if I wake up on Sunday feeling a little froggy still, maybe I'll maybe I'll get a Darnold lineup together. No, that, that's your that's your
2: bar time waiting in line for pizza. Like you're you're standing in line at Ian's Pizza and you're mm-hmm. like,
1: oh, I got got a set of Sam Darnold tomorrow lineup.
2: Tomorrow it's going to be crazy, yeah? yeah? because of Freak Fest and all that. That's right. It's Freak Fest Saturday in Madison. Hopefully no one burns the city down tonight, or tomorrow night, that is. That would be much appreciated if you guys don't tear apart my city.
1: Yeah, I think, I think we're good because maybe we'll have a bunch of Wisconsin people going down to Northwestern, going down to Chicago, maybe slightly less craziness going on up here. We'll see. Well, the thing that always happens is it's, it's the people that come from
2: other campuses that oh, come in yeah. and destroy this place. Mm-hmm. Like, if, if, the, if the UW students go to Evanston... That just leaves more space, like like physical space becomes available for destruction. For the Cretins of Stevens Point. Yeah, I'm always I'm always blaming Stevens Point and Eau Claire for for all of uh, Madison's problems we on Halloween to, we weekend. We used to have that
1: problem at Georgia. Like whenever like Georgia Southern kids would come to town, like you knew that bad things were gonna happen. No offense to the Georgia Southern people that listen to this. No, I feel I feel bad for the, the
2: good eggs at Georgia Southern because you get a bad reputation when you get a few kids that come up and tear up somebody else's school. But good on them for beating App State last night, a ranked <laughs> App State team. <laughs> Let's talk Broncos Chiefs for a moment. We talked about this game at the top. The big change in Denver is just Royce Freeman being out with that ankle injury. Uh, we kind of broke everything down from the Chiefs perspective. I mean, everybody's pretty viable. Sammy Watkins is kind of GPP only. Tyreek Hill has become a steady cash game play. Hunt's probably my favorite running back play on the entire board this week. But with Freeman out, Philip Lindsay does catch some passes. Devontae Booker probably gets on the field a bit more as well. What's your interest level in Philip Lindsay this week from a DFS perspective? What kind of contest do you want to use him in and and how much exposure do you want to have?
1: I love Philip Lindsay this week. I think that... you can do something where, like, you, you throw him uh, in the flex, and you use a, another spot on like a Nick Chubb or something, and then you can get uh, a Kareem Hunt also in there and get some premium uh, wide receivers as well. At least that's how it's looking for me on Fanduel. I, I really do like Lindsey this week. I think that Kansas City, if they're you know they're not great across the board defensively, but the the real Achilles heel I'd say is more so against the run. I know it didn't get completely exploited. Uh, last week, but I, I think that Cincinnati just kind of fell behind so much that it was hard for them to really try to reestablish the the ground game or what have you. But um, I think that. Denver, if they're smart, they're going to try to play the possession game and try to, you know, keep that Kansas City offense off the field as much as they possibly can. And the path to doing that, to in my mind, uh, is feeding Philip Lindsay. And I think that, you know, even though he's kind of a, a smaller guy, I think he can handle a pretty heavy workload. So I do like him a fair bit this week. Is he still more of a tournament play than a cash game play, though, for you just because of the presence of Devontae Booker? I still see 20-plus touches, so I think that there's a pretty safe floor baked in there, too. All
2: right, that's interesting. If I'm playing any receivers in this game, it's Emmanuel Sanders,
1: at least yes. as far as cash
2: goes. Uh, even in tournaments, I mean, ownership might be up, but I don't think it's going to be absurd. So I think you can play him there as well. Demarius Thomas has fallen out of cash game consideration for me. He's kind of GPP only. Uh, it just seems like his departure from Denver is is coming within the next week. The trade deadline's coming up on Tuesday. He's only 4,900 on DraftKings, but he just doesn't have that safe floor volume-wise week-to-week that I would have expected at the beginning of the season. And even when he gets open, Case Keenum misses him. Yeah, yeah, there's that too. So I imagine you're not throwing Case out there in tournament lineups and, and pairing him with Sanders or anything like that, are you?
1: I'm just that down on Case Keenum to to where like even against a, a Kansas City Chiefs defense that, that gives up a lot of points, I still can't do it.
2: No, I think I'd rather make a Darnold lineup than make a Keenum lineup. There you go which is just, I don't want to talk myself into the Darnold lineup, so we're going to keep moving uh, the ball down the field. We didn't talk about Travis Kelsey before, though. 6,800, because there are some cheap tight ends that people like, Njoku, uh, Eric Ebron, even with Doyle coming back, O.J. Howard. You know, There's a lot of guys, Vance McDonald. I think that kind of steers people away from paying up for Kelsey, and I think that's what makes Kelsey very appealing from a tournament perspective, like the... The floor might not be that much better than some of those cheaper guys, but the ceiling is almost unmatched the position. And I think that's a, a pretty interesting time to potentially strike as far as Kelsey goes.
1: Yeah, if you, if you are like going value at, at a bunch of different places, and, and uh, you know you don't have the the Todd Gurley anchor on your salary, um, and you do have some some uh, ability to spend up a tight end, I, I think that you would be one of the few people that that is doing that this week. So that is a really interesting way of kind of separating yourself this week, because you know the The gap between him and George Kittle uh, is so large on, on DraftKings, um, you know, thirteen hundred dollars differential. I think that that just kind of uh, that automatically eliminates him, I think, from some people's minds when they're when they're throwing a lineup together. So I do envision a kind of slightly lower owned than usual uh, Kelsey here. Chiefs are ten point favorites over under fifty three and a half
2: puts the Chiefs total close to thirty two, Broncos total closer to twenty two. Once you break that down. Uh, your ravens on the road taking on the panthers this looks like one of the tougher games of the week to sort out from a where is their value and how is this really going to play out perspective if you base it on the vegas lines you've got baltimore as a slight favorite maybe putting up 23 points carolina lagging behind closer to 21 over under is a, a pretty tight 44 so it's a lower end of the scale sort of game in that regard as i went through the matchups here Christian McCaffrey scares me quite a bit because of the way the last couple of weeks have gone. Baltimore's defense has been really strong. Uh, This could just be one of those games where both offenses have a lot of three and outs. And I think if I had to play one player from either team, Michael Crabtree in cash on DraftKings is probably the guy that I'd be most likely to use because he's under 5K. And it just seems like his volume week to week has become pretty steady.
1: Yeah, it it is really steady. And uh, obviously I watch every Ravens game. So uh, I mean, Flacco does look his way a fair bit. Um, He's always featured. John Brown, the the more high upside guy. So I think that, yeah, if there was like a position group in this game uh, to look at, I think the Ravens receivers would be it. Um, Willie Sneed also a little bit cheaper down the board, but I think he's seen like seven targets in each of his last three games. He's seen at least five targets in I believe every game uh, this season. So there's a little bit of interest there. I don't think that there's a, a ton of touchdown upside necessarily, but uh, between the 20s, he could potentially rack up some catches. Um, I think the, the Ravens do like to use their tight ends a little bit closer to the goal line, but, I mean, they have so many tight ends that uh, you're, you're literally just guessing as to which one is going to be the one that clicks. I wouldn't have necessarily guessed that it was going to be Mark Andrews last week, but then it was. you know. So maybe this is the week that Hayden Hurst get, gets that touchdown or, or something like that. So either way, uh, that's just kind of a landmine that you want to stay away from. Um, and then again on the on the Carolina side of things um, well Jimmy Smith played terribly last week so maybe Devin Funches has like a little bit of appeal and I know that Torrey Smith is out as far as I know so uh, maybe some more targets go go to Funches uh, on the outside I mean again that was as about as bad as I've seen Jimmy Smith uh, play but he was going against a Michael Thomas it's not the, quite the same as a Devin Funchess. Um don't love Greg Olson uh, yet I, I think that this is a tough matchup for him going against those safeties um, McCaffrey you saw how Baltimore is able to handle Alvin Kamara last week for the most part I don't think that he McCaffrey can push the pile the way that Kamara did uh, down down near the uh, goal line last week so I think this is a tough spot for McCaffrey as well yeah I think McCaffrey would be GPP only for me like if you
2: want to get away from the Connor Mixon Hunt group, and spend seven k or seventy three hundred on Fanduel on on McCaffrey. I think you can you can kind of go that route, and it's a little bit contrarian, but I think you're taking on a good amount of risk with at least five or six backs priced around that same range or above that are. Just as high upside and you see, and probably like, have much safer floors. Yeah, I could see under double digit production out of McCaffrey this week. The only thing that makes that really hard on on DraftKings is if he catches six or seven passes, he has to have like twenty five total yards to stay under ten points. Mm, yeah,
1: that's a good point. <laughs> just
2: because they use him so much there, even if he's not efficient, he can kind of sneak up closer to that low floor. But that's still that's that's just not enough at seven K. It's got to be a tournament for me to throw him in there couple other interesting things uh, as we move through this slate. We'll take a look quickly at the Browns and Steelers matchup. Uh, Steelers are eight-point favorites there. Over-unders at 49, so Pittsburgh checks in, I believe, as a top-five implied total team from the main part of the slate. Uh, James Conner is where most of my interest lies, even though... With Ben at home, the passing game should be just fine. I think the reason I'm not really using Roethlisberger much is because, especially on DraftKings, you can pay 100 more for Andy Dalton. You can pay 100 less and get Goff or Winston uh, for tournament purposes. You can get the extreme variance of a Russell Wilson if he goes off for a bunch of TDs if you go cheaper. And even like Aaron Rodgers, as far as your tournament pivots go, it's not that hard to find $400 from your cash game lineup to go to Rodgers. In tournaments, and if the Rams are just dominating that Packers defense the way I expect them to, mm-hmm. Rogers gets a lot of attempts. He's probably going to have both Geronimo Allison and Randall Cobb back in the lineup, along with a healthy Devonte Adams. Uh, the extra time for him to rest his knee seems like a good thing. Like Rodgers in tournaments, kind of stands out to me as a thing that a lot of people should do and probably won't do.
1: Yeah, I think I think that you know people will see you know the the line on this game and and they'll just be you know kind of just mostly attracted to to what's going on on the Rams side of this game yeah which kind of is a crazy thing where Rodgers is being like somehow like undervalued for this week, and you know the price tag isn't isn't too bad. Like you said, you can easily you know find a way to fit him into your lineup, and it's not too difficult. And uh, I guess the, the question really is uh, which receivers do you use uh, for him? But I do I do think that Rodgers definitely uh, is someone that I that I'll be considering this week. I think mostly you know I like the golf and Winston calls. Um, I'm sticking with Dalton in a lot of places, but I, I probably will sneak sneak in a a Rodgers up in there as well
2: yeah I just think you can you can make it happen and it's not that difficult to do Devonte Adams just under 8k on DraftKings so he's less expensive than Tyreek Hill and Antonio Brown and AJ Green too so that's pretty pretty appealing the, um, the interesting thing too just about the going back to the Steelers side of that that matchup against the Browns you know Connor at 7,500 the usage has been outstanding uh, his usage seems even safer than Joe Mixon's right now mm-hmm. I think Mixon can get kind of eased out of the game plan if something gets crazy out of hand that's probably not going to happen this week Connor is just like aside from playing well I think the Steelers want to keep driving home the point that they were right to not pay Le'Veon Bell so even if it's like somewhat to spite Le'Veon Bell and it goes beyond that of course like they like Connor as a player clearly they're just going to keep feeding him because he's been playing so
1: well and he could easily be an eight thousand dollar running back right now, but he's only seventy five hundred. Yeah, no, I really like the way that Connor's been playing, and I, I think that you know going up against a uh, Browns defense that that's solid, but you know not like you know world beaters necessarily. I, I think they rank <clears throat> outside the top ten uh, as far as their their rush defense. They're actually wow, they they are twenty fifth in DVOA against the run. So I think that this is a situation where um we're, we I don't, we keep saying that we're maybe running out of weeks where Connor is viable. We never really know what's going to happen with this Le'Veon Bell thing. I imagine week 10 is sort of the the new uh, line of demarcation there, but uh, that means that we got a few more weeks of James Conner, and as long as that's the case, uh, I don't see a really good reason to not use him.
2: No, exactly. I think Antonio Brown being priced up a lot more than Juju, over 1,000 more on DraftKings, probably pulls ownership down a bit on Brown. There's not a compelling reason to avoid him, except for the fact that it might be tough to fit him into your lineup, so... It's a little more of a GPP lean again on Brown, even though he's a perfectly fine cash game play. If you can find the flexibility, I have not been able to find enough flexibility in the lineups I built to pay eighty five hundred for a receiver on DraftKings this week. No,
1: that, that's that's so much. I, th- I think you can do well to to you know drop down uh, a certain price point. And I think the Juju Smith Schuster can put up close to uh, the same type of level of production as Brown, and maybe. Uh Juju doesn't catch Denzel Ward. Denzel Ward is really really good. I'm not saying that he's good enough to completely shut down Antonio Brown, but I think it's something to at least think about where Juju probably has the easier matchup go- across from him. Is Vance McDonald on your radar again as a tight end this week?
2: 3700 on DraftKings is pretty affordable. Target volume. The last four weeks, eight two, five and four, like that. That has a, a GPP sort of feel to it for me. It's still not quite a, a cash game play, even though he's very affordable at thirty seven hundred.
1: I, I get it, but I, that's that's not something that I, I'm probably going to be approaching. I think that you know if they stick like a Jabril Peppers on him, Jabril Peppers uh, starting to become a pretty impressive player. Um, if if he ends up uh, taking up most of the coverage snaps on McDonald, then I, I could see uh, the the bottom kind of coming out on McDonald. So. I'm probably not going there, but I definitely see your logic there. And then, I mean, what do you make of the Cleveland offense here as well? I keep going to Njoku,
2: 4600 on DraftKings, still affordable on FanDuel as well. That's my main play. And then Jarvis Landry, especially on FanDuel, still priced down enough where if I weren't using Njoku in that same lineup, Landry could pop in there. I'm not paying 7200 for Landry in a cash lineup this week, and there's enough value going down at wide receiver to avoid that. Um, So really, it's kind of like if I think this game is going to be close and I I think it's going to be more of a a Browns are playing catch up scenario. um, I I think Chubb, if you think it's going to be close, is fine. But Chubb, you watched as much Nick Chubb as anybody because he was at Georgia. I I think he can catch passes. He just wasn't asked to do it. But we don't know if Todd Haley is going to ask him to do it because they have Duke Johnson, even though they didn't use Duke as much as we thought. Chubb at forty seven hundred still underpriced for his talent but the usage is uncertain enough where I'm not necessarily going to be as aggressive filling him into lineups as I was a week ago.
1: Yeah, I mean, he was the free bingo spot last week, and I think a lot of people are going to be sour grapes because he was the... Free bingo spot that didn't really pay off to to the extent to everyone was was hoping for. You know, he ran for eighty yards. He was fine. fine. Like, yeah, he, he made value easily, you, but he, he just didn't swe- he, he didn't crush it. I was sweating that first half though. Oh, and, it was bad know, in the you're first just, half. Just like looking there, and he's like chilling with fifteen yards, and I'm just like, oh my god, what have I done? Uh, but no, I think that this is a week where. Um, People will safely just kind of hit the eject button on the, on their Nick Chubb belief, and, and that's fine. More for me, I'm gonna I'm gonna lock in Chubb almost everywhere because, like you said, he's super affordable for that talent. Um, and you know, he showed in the past that he doesn't need the super heavy volume in order to be effective. He is as big of a home run hitter as, as there is right now in, in the league. I mean, he's a guy that can uh, just take it the distance uh, if they don't wrap him up. Uh, in the backfield. So I think that this is a situation where Pittsburgh's uh, defense doesn't scare me all that much. I think Chubb gets a little bit more involved this week. Maybe they try to lean on the run early on because Baker is going to be, you know, a rookie in a hostile environment in Pittsburgh. Um, I could see the game script opening up heavy run. um, And I think Chubb can do a lot with it. Now we kind of went through Colts Raiders earlier, as far as our main thoughts there, Jalen Rashard
2: on DraftKings is the direction I would go. If I wanted Oakland exposure, T Y Hilton tournaments only for me only because They're finally getting everybody on the field together as far as Ebron, uh, Hilton, and Jack Doyle are concerned. And I just think Luck's still not taking as many shots downfield as I might like. With Marlon Mack, they can run the ball a little bit more. It sounds like the ankle injury he was dealing with is okay. Mack's close to being a cash game play for me, too. He was kind of right on the borderline. So if I end up paying down at running backs, I want to get a little more of an upgrade somewhere else he's in consideration but he didn't end up in my initial lineup builds this week he looked really good with that larger role last week against the bills
1: yeah he definitely yeah he definitely looked good uh last time out when he had uh the the workload and you know coming into this year i was a bit of a skeptic but then again i was a guy that believed in jordan wilkins so uh, don't listen to me when it comes to the colts running backs
2: let's talk uh, packers rams mentioned before i think the Aaron Rodgers ownership will be lighter than you'd expect for a game where he can get a lot of attempts. I don't think he's going to be ignored. I don't think he's going to be 2% owned in tournaments or anything like that. I just think that there's going to be less attention paid to him than there should be because of Jameis and Dalton and the guy on the other side, Jared Goff, being very affordable uh, on DraftKings in particular. If you look at the Green Bay running game, I still think you have to kind of avoid this outside of big field tournaments. We just don't know if Aaron Jones' role is going to change a lot coming out of the bye Yes, he's the more talented runner. Maybe Mike McCarthy realizes it now. I I just, I have a hard time. We're in like year 10 of him of like hoping that he realizes something though. Right. I just have a hard time expecting him to figure it out even well after the fact. So that's why I'm kind of staying away from the running game until he gives us a reason to believe. Maybe that's just being wrong and you got to be more aggressive in a tournament. But I certainly wouldn't think about any Green Bay running backs in cash right now. And I don't think that's a bold statement at all. The Adams appeal is there. What do, you, what do you do with Geronimo Allison coming off uh, an absence due to injury? I mean, do you like Allison in this matchup if you're expecting Rodgers to uh, to have to light it up with a lot of attempts? I
1: do a little bit because, you know, if we, if we have a situation where it's Peters on, on Adams, I, th- I think that Adams can win that matchup, but it's still, that's one less really talented guy that Allison's going to have to deal with. And last time uh, that Allison played and Randall Cobb didn't, which I think is kind of what things are trending towards right now. Um Allison saw 28% of the targets that, that week. So, I mean, right behind, uh, Devontae Adams in terms of the pecking order there I think that uh, in, a, in a perfect world Rodgers would much prefer to to be throwing heavily to Allison other than like a Valdez Scantling or an Equinemia St. Brown even if those guys are promising the long term I think that there's been some frustration with those guys early in the season so I think that Allison uh, if Cobb remains out like I'm expecting uh, then I think that he he pushes for almost a quarter of those targets and like you said Green Bay is gonna be throwing it a lot so I am gonna find a way to get some Allison this week. Jimmy Graham, as far as your overlooked,
2: affordable tight ends go, kind of stands out to me a little bit, too. If you're expecting a lot of volume, 19 targets the last two games when Rodgers had to throw it a lot. So if you see more of the same 8-plus targets, seems like the floor could get you 80 yards, could score, and at 4,700, that would be, if he goes 8 for 80 and a touchdown at that price, you're really, really happy with Jimmy Graham. And I think people are starting to be a little more aggressive with Njoku and Trey Burton, Maybe the Ebron interest fades a little bit. I don't think it's going to be crazy chalky on Jimmy Graham because it's been a little bit inconsistent as far as the week-to-week production goes. Agreed. With the Rams, I mean, I, I like I like the way this team is built right now. I, I think it's Cooks and, and Woods just dominating the target share. I mean, Reynolds and, and Bigfield GPPs, I, I kind of get why you would do it, but I'm not convinced that's necessarily the best way to go. Uh, I think both of those receivers are cash viable. It's just a matter of choosing which path you want to go down. Do you want to have girly or do you want to have pass catchers? I think you can make competent lineups either way. It's just easier to do it with the receivers. Sure. Uh, people think Cooks is a little more feast or famine than he really is. I think the way the Rams have used them have raised his floor typically. So I'm looking yeah. at Cooks as a guy that I like both in cash games and in GPPs this week.
1: Yeah, I think Cook's, uh, you know, that that narrative that he carries with him, uh, I think that most of that just has to be based in in last year uh, and not really taking a close enough look uh, as to what's been going on Uh, this year. Earlier in the year, I mean, he was averaging over eight yards of target. These past two weeks, you wish there was a little bit more volume, but, I mean, the Rams were able to kind of blow out uh, the Niners last week, so maybe that explains why they were just... Uh, five targets, but he turned those five targets into four catches for 64 yards and a touchdown. Um, So I think that no matter what, uh, he's going to be able to produce, whether that that target floor is at five or if he pushes closer to 10, uh, we'll have to see. But I would imagine this is going to be a more competitive game than what uh, the Rams had to deal with uh, last week. Um, So with that, I I see uh, the upper end of the range of possible outcomes for Cooks. So I do like him and I do like his touchdown scoring upside a little bit more than I do like Woods's. It does
2: seem like this line is underselling the Packers, having a week of rest, being a little healthier in this matchup. I mean, nine and a half is a pretty big line for them. Biggest since Aaron Rodgers took over as the starter. I think the line should be closer to seven for what it's worth. So I'm probably taking Green Bay with the points, expecting Rodgers to uh, kind of throw all over with some of those secondary options, as you mentioned. You know, Marcus Peters probably drawing a lot of Devontae Adams. Should be a great matchup to watch on Sunday. Last game on the main slate to get to here on this episode. Let's talk about the Niners going on the road to Arizona. Maybe the game of the week. I think it's interesting. Well, it's going to get buried with the uh, Packers Rams. Yeah. This, this is going to be the ghost game on the slate that no one sees, and we're like, did that game actually happen? Yeah, is that real? Is this just a, a series of highlights made up, like Truman the Show landing? style? Like, yeah, that, is this a moon landing? It's, I mean, I believe in the moon landing for what it's worth. Okay, so here, <laughs> here's where I'm at with this game. David Johnson can't possibly be worse in terms of how he's used like they they've pretty much used him as poorly as they could have with mike mccoy mm-hmm. byron leftwich has come out and said he's he's spent a lot of time with bruce arians over the years he wants to use david johnson the way bruce arians he used did to pass out with bruce arians yeah he used to pass <laughs> out watching film like just they would just fall asleep at the, in the film room just like just because they stayed up too long watching movies that's awesome i think david johnson's fine this week like i i i I think you need to see it before you can do it in cash games because of the way the board breaks. There's so many other options that are only a little more expensive. The Hunt, Mixon guys uh, in particular, Connor, you know, 800 more on DraftKings. Find the money, pay up. Tournament-wise, I think Johnson's one of the most interesting pivots, and I don't have a very good sense of how optimistic the field's going to be on David Johnson. I've seen an ownership estimator come in close to like 12% on David Johnson for tournaments, do you think he'll be at, above, or below 12% in tournaments this week?
1: Um, I think when push comes to shove, I I do, you know, kind of like what you're saying with this game getting buried, I think people will just kind of... Feel like David Johnson gets lost in the shuffle. I, I could see that un, that number coming in right at or under is is the way that I lean there. I don't think it's going to be much over that, given you know how appealing some of the other running back options are going to be. And I think you know guys that are guys like Philip Lindsay that are that are going to be like that. Oh, he's he all of a sudden gets all the carries, so like he's pri- his price is wrong. So I'm just going to go attack that. I think that there's going to be a, a fair bit of that, and with that, I think Johnson gets a little bit lost in the shuffle. I mean, I think you're getting a lower ownership rate on
2: Johnson than you're going to get on Gurley, Hunt, Connor, you know, Mixon, Barkley, like any of those top guys. They're all going to be higher owned than Johnson wherever yeah. he's going to come in, and that's enough. That's enough of getting away from the pack that even if he does carry double-digit ownership, I think you want to be there for David Johnson, especially in a full PPR scenario. If you look at the San Francisco defense, they're giving up a good number of fantasy points to opposing backs this season, 28.6 DraftKings points per game. 45 catches allowed to running backs, 334 yards, three touchdowns. That's one area in particular where I expect Leftwich to take some of the pressure off Josh Rosen. Mm -hmm. Getting the ball out in space in the short passing game to David Johnson is something I would expect him to do right away. And, you know, the San Francisco run defense, four yards per carry is nothing special. So I think they can move the ball a little better on the ground now with Leftwich calling shots. So I'm kind of optimistic about David Johnson. He's tournament only until we see how he's used. And again, it's sort of just betting on the come that they're going to go ahead and, and get things right with their star running back for the rest of the season.
1: Yeah, I mean, it just can't, it can't get much more wrong, you know? So I, I think that, that there is a chance for a bit of a bounce back here uh, from him. And I, I would imagine this Arizona offense as a whole, if, if they can get David Johnson going, then this offense suddenly becomes borderline respectable uh, potentially. Um, and then, you know, Looking outside that, um, I think that leftwich hopefully will, will find a way to get a Christian Kirk more involved. Um, I don't think that San Francisco secondary is anything to write home about either necessarily. So I mean, he's he's more of a GPP consideration as well, but it, he's in that same price range as like a Willie Sneed. but I think he has a higher uh, touchdown big play upside. So Christian Kirk's someone that I would consider as well
2: as far as like your high volume cash game plays is Fitzgerald, if Larry Fitzgerald's 4,400 and Jermaine curse is 4,300 and Fitz has had eight targets in back-to-back games, they have coordinator change. Is there that much of a difference right now? Like if, if you think Jermaine curse is safe as your third receiver, you'd probably would think that Larry Fitzgerald is also safe despite the quiet output overall this season.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I don't think that the targets are, are going anywhere. I just think that the efficiency will continue to tick down for, for the rest of the season I'd be surprised if he's playing again uh, next year Uh, no matter how the rest of this season goes I I just don't really see I I see Fitzgerald you know like six and a half yards a target for however many targets he gets on Sunday and I'm just not uh, all that excited about it last question
2: for you here looking at the San Francisco side what interest do you have in this offense CJ Beathard still under 5k on DraftKings you look over at Marquise Goodwin. He's very feast or famine. We saw some big plays against the Packers on Monday night a couple of weeks ago. He's 5,000 flat. Is there still some at least tournament appeal in that combo because of the extra flexibility you'll have with the rest of your roster by only spending 9,900 on a quarterback and a wide receiver one?
1: Yeah, I think that you know, you're know you looking at a situation where Goodwin, like you said, feast or famine, but the feast is awesome. I mean, like a guy with, with that uh, blazing level of speed, it's hard to, you know, uh, rectify what, what happened uh, last week against the Rams, but then again, that's the Rams. This week, it's the Cardinals. So, I mean, I think it's a much, much softer matchup for him, and, you know, he should push for well over 20% of the targets again. Um, I think that George Kittle kind of is establishing himself as the uh, pass catcher to own, uh, for the most part, for the uh, for the 49ers, but and I, I think he could definitely uh, hit value, uh, even with his bloated uh, price tag. I think he's like the number two uh, most expensive uh, tight end on one of the websites here. On both, uh, yeah. But I think, and I think it's rightfully so. But I, I do think that Goodwin uh, is in a spot where where he sh- he's shown that he can bounce back. He's shown that he can make big plays here, uh, and shown a bit of a rapport with, with Beathard. So um, I think that he. At that price tag is, is sneakily a decent play in, in tournaments. Yeah, I think the the only way I would
2: use him is in tournaments. But I, I think the the interest has ticked down enough where I think he's probably under five percent this week. And if you can get Marquise Goodwin under five percent, you, you know that even good shutdown corners sometimes can be exposed by a guy that has elite speed, like world class speed. Yeah. And that's what Marquise Goodwin brings to the table. So I think you could if you're trying to say that how am I going to crack the Millie Maker this week or how am I going to, you know, break the the Sunday million, that's the kind of thing you can do and it frees up a lot of resources to just go real heavy at the top of the board at most other positions if you want to take a shot with a Bethard Goodwin combo or a Beathard Goodwin Kittle combo, if you really want to be aggressive if you really with the trio, think that,
1: the, that the quit is in for the for this
2: Cardinals team. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, uh, John. Before we sign off, any other last thoughts here on the slate? Players that you are maybe thinking about sneaking in for tournaments or just things that you feel like are maybe overlooked.
1: Um, you know, I just wanted to to mostly just hammer home uh, that that I like uh, the Bengals game. I, I'm going to be getting m- most of my uh, exposure to to that one. Um, I like the the Pittsburgh game uh, versus Cleveland a fair bit. Again, James Conner and and Nick Chubb in that one, both guys that I'm really going to be going after uh, heavily. And then uh, you know. Rounding things off, I do like Jared Cook at tight end. I think that he he can uh, you know take advantage of those uh, targets that we open up the show with being potentially up for grabs in the short and intermediate passing game. So those are the guys uh, that I'm kind of get, that are going to be uh, spotting uh, most of my lineups. And again, at defense, I do like the Washington Redskins as well. I am uh, I'm convinced you're going to be on a, on a pretty small ownership number
2: there with that Washington defense, but it could pay off for you in a tournament context. That's going to wrap things up for this episode of the Rotowire NFL DFS podcast. You can find John on Twitter at Johnny McKex. I'm at
0: Derek Van Riper. Good luck with your lineups in week eight.